and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. It has been a busy week with grooming competitions here in the UK. I spent Sunday competing at Supergroom at the Bath and West Showground. It was a really fun show. They had some great judges and loads of seminars and trade stands. It was also the Northern Ireland grooming show on Sunday too. So well done to everyone who attended or competed across both of the shows. But back to today. I am interviewing dog groomer Tiffany Jennings about the highs and the lows of working in different types of salons and in particular her time mobile grooming as that's an area of the industry that she loved but I don't really know anything about. I also wanted to quiz her about taking on top to tail. I love top to tail grooming clothing so I was thrilled when I heard that she was the person who was taking it on. I also really enjoyed talking through my final questions with Tiffany about some of the areas that industry tends to stress us out and what needs to change. It's clear that Tiffany really knows her job and that she has the drive to succeed in all aspects of the industry. And she has lots of little tips to help. Tiffany has worked in a kennels, run a busy high street salon with staff. She has run a one-to-one business from both her mobile grooming van and one-to-one from a salon. Tiffany has her full ICMG and City and Guild qualifications. She has been a grooming competitor for many years now, achieving placements all over the country. She's also the proud new owner of Top's Tail Clothing. And I have to say that when I'm out and about at grooming events, Tiffany is one of those people that always puts a smile on my face. I really enjoyed this interview, so I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Here we go. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. How are you today? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Good, good. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am now in my 24th year of dog grooming. Um, yeah, I started when I was 18 um, and I actually wanted to go um, work for the RSPCA. I had to have lots of animal experience. So um, one of the things I did was work in kennels. Anyway, long story short, the groomer that was there left. They never asked me to do it, but they kind of planted the seed. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because they didn't want to take me away from what I was doing, you know. So sort of over a course of a few months I was like do you know what actually I think this might suit me better because obviously going to the RSPCA you have to move away and it's quite distressing isn't it you know it's yeah, quite a, yeah, a heartbreaking heavy. job and it, I was like I don't know if I could actually you know do that kind of thing mm-hmm. so for them I wouldn't have been able to set it up because they did so much for me they 
obviously at that stage being at uni and stuff I didn't have any money yeah. so no. they were like well, we'll pay for everything and you can just pay us back over time Brilliant. and yeah so I was really really lucky they were really keen for me to do it so um yeah off I went and did an intensive course for a month up in um, Lincolnshire yeah. from there what did you what did you do when you sort of ventured off on your own how did you get into so business the people that owned the kennels then moved on because they were quite older couples so they sold the kennels um and just everything changed and and it, you know when it's like, oh, this is time for me to move yep. on. And actually, yep. the, the grooming side of things had really grown. And I had got a massive client base. And there was potential for it to get bigger. Because the kennel was obviously out in the middle of nowhere, the countryside. There's no, like, passing trade. It was just word of mouth. So it's like, oh, if okay. I could be somewhere that where there's more... Um, more going on. Yeah, then I could build the business. And we'd moved into the town at this point. Um, so it was again it was like a natural development of the business it was like yeah. okay we can build something at home so we built a salon at the back of the house um, and let's say that was in the middle of town so okay so because you've worked in different locations I know you've had your high street salon like yeah. you know you've had your grooming van and yeah. you've you're working sort of one-to-one at the moment yeah um, should we do like a bit of a pros and cons round? So yeah. just to get your opinion of each of the different types of grooming um, environments. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So what would you say is the best thing and the worst thing about being in quite a busy salon? Probably some of the best things about being in a busy salon is the visibility and the um, the passing trade, as it were, in the high street salon. Because where my salon yeah. was, was like on a bus route into town it's like right on the the start of the town so a lot of people would go past it um and anyone that knows me knows I'm pink (laughs) so the whole salon was bright bright pink the front the sign (laughs) we had pink lights in it so even in the evening when there was nobody there it was all lit up pink you know so I can totally imagine (laughs) (laughs) so pink everyone knew it It was the pink poodle parlor you know that was even people that didn't have dogs so that was the great thing about having a salon and also having members of staff so people to talk to people to have a bit of banter with people to bounce off I think they're probably some of my favorite things about having high street shops yeah so yeah there's I think there's quite a lot of positives high street but I think for me there's a lot more negatives (laughs) okay so could you tell us about some of the things that you found a bit more stressful about being in the high street yeah I think for me it's the pressure of it and losing that um because before when I was working from home obviously I, I still had busy days I was still doing sort of eight to ten dogs on my own but Blimey. I got to know I know <laughs> I don't know how I used to do it but anyway um I got I knew my customers you know but then yeah. when you got to the high street shop we had three or four members of staff and we were doing anything from sort of 15 20 25 dogs a day depending on obviously breed um, yeah and for me, it got a bit of a production line. And I really yeah. hated that. I hate that I didn't know who was bringing the dog in, that I didn't yeah. get to know the dog. Because I just did all the trimming. I had people barking and prepping. and I kind of just finished the dog. So I really missed that. I really yeah. missed that like the personal, personal touch. Yeah. And I found that really hard. Um, okay. And obviously then you have to do that volume of dogs. You can't just think oh no we're just gonna do a few because the overheads are so massive you know yeah it's the overheads of the shop I mean luckily I owned the building so that was okay but then you know three or four members of staff the wages each month you've got to pay them you can't you know think oh well we'll do less dogs and not pay Sally next week do you know what I mean it's just an added pressure pressure. isn't it yeah Yeah. it's a massive pressure and you're like come on we've got to get the phone ringing we've got to get the dogs coming in and to be fair we were always very very busy so that it wasn't a worry as such but 
it's always in the back of your mind isn't it you know yeah and you probably advertised your salon really well because like you say if everybody knew it because it was the bright pink poodle parlor and, yes. you know that that probably is what kept them coming in because you yes. was turning out good grooms giving yes. good customer service and advertising and you was well known in the area for what you do exactly so, yeah that's so it it's just a lot more sort of like having to think about promoting yeah getting the Absolutely. recognition for your salon is more important I think yeah like you say, because I mean it, I know some days if I sort of have a few less dogs a day I mean it's annoying because you think well you know I might not be able to put that away in my savings this week but then being at home by myself I haven't got anyone else that I have to really worry about it's exactly. just it's, it's, it's affecting me and me only so yeah I can definitely see where that would cause cause more stress with uh, yeah yeah on. but yeah no, it sounds like you um you kept yourself going well and you know you, you kept busy with the amount of dogs that you was doing so yeah so that's a credit that's a credit to you really well done um, Thank you. <laughs> so what about being mobile in a van again what would you say was like the best things and the worst the things in that comments. environment oh, do you know what that was my favorite I really? absolutely yeah if my life hadn't been flipped upside down and you know fate had decided different things for me I would have definitely still be doing that because I absolutely loved it going from as I say this massively busy high street shop to then being able to go right I'm going to filter out all these customers because obviously everyone wanted to stay with me, you know, and there's hundreds yeah. of customers and I'm like, sorry, guys, this is not going to happen. So I could no. really filter, <laughs> yeah, yeah, filter them down. I um, only have two hands. <laughs> yes, it's just a little wee. Um, but I could filter them down to the really good customers, which sounds yeah. really horrible, but yeah. I could filter them out to the ones that I really wanted to do. I hear and that the- from a lot of groomers that have downsized from a big to a smaller salon, that the bonus of it is you just take your favourites. Yes, absolutely. It must be absolutely. bliss. Yeah, it was. And I continued to do, um, we had a VIP system at the salon, um, yeah. which I carried over to the van. And it ended up that all of my customers were VIP customers. What was your VIP system that you had in place? Like, could you tell us a bit about what that actually involved? What, what yeah, did that of course. Mean? Yeah, so it was just, so they paid a fee to sign up to be a VIP. Um, okay. And then they got exactly whatever appointments they wanted. So I'd sit down for the year, I'd book their appointments for the year, and then they'd get little extra treats on top of their grooms. So like the facials and yeah. little bits and pieces like that. Like at special occasions, they'd get like extra collar bows and goodie bags and, Lovely, and things yeah. like that. So it's quite a basic thing, but it just meant they were guaranteed more than anything. I think their slots. Yeah, um, catered to them month. and a bit bit more personal. Yeah, and they could and they paid um, by standing order every month. So rather than okay. paying at the end of the groom. It was all paid throughout the year. So they didn't have to worry, you know, in six weeks' time, they've got to pay. it's already paid for. So that yeah. was brilliant being mobile because it meant one, I haven't got to spend time booking appointments. Two, mm-hmm. I haven't got to worry if I've got a signal if the card machine's going to work, if they've got any cash at the time, you yeah. know, things like that. So every customer had already paid, already booked their appointments. So that had saved me like 20 minutes, half an hour, or messing around chatting to customers at the end of the day. Yeah, room, and you know? just getting signal is something that had never occurred to me, actually, as yeah. a mobile groomer. But <laughs> yeah. I know what it's like where I live, in the middle of bloody nowhere, yeah. obviously out on the road. You don't know where you're going to end up, Yeah, do you? exactly. Some of the places, like, like I'm like you, I live in the countryside, and, okay, some days you'd be in the town, but other days you'd literally be in the middle Walking of nowhere. Walking down the road, holding yeah, the thing trying to there. get a phone, because <laughs> my booking system's online as well. So it's like, 
you know, I can't book anything. I can't pay for anything, you know. So it's like, right, that's all done. I haven't got to worry about that. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's a really that... good way around that problem. So what, what else did you sort of enjoy about being out and about? The flexibility. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Because I had, um, so I'd moved house now. I was living in rented accommodation. So the stipulation was that I had to take the dogs to work with me. So at the time I only had three. So when I had the van made, I had a cage built in the back so that they could travel with me. Brilliant. So they could come to work with me. And if we had half an hour in between clients, we'd go out for a walk. You Brilliant. Know. Yeah, I bet so they loved that. It, yeah, they really did. And, and I loved it as well because it gave me that little bit of break in between, you yeah. know, dogs and stuff. And yeah, it, it's really nice to be able to just be flexible. With the high street shop, you have to be there for nine o'clock. And you have to be there all day, six days a week, because yeah. people expect you to be there. People don't yeah. want to turn up for a nail trim and you're not there, you know? That was like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare because I've got stuff to do and I've got no clients this morning, but, you know, I've got to be here, kind of thing. But with the van, they don't know if you're not a customer or if you're out walking the dogs. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. if I say, oh, I'll start at 10 do. o'clock because I'm walking the dogs because it's winter time and it's dark in the morning, nobody knows. They think you're doing another dog, you know? So yeah. I love when that. You, um, when you booked your appointments, do you book like, say, if you're going to someone's house, would you say I'll be there for 10? Or would you say I'll be there like between, between. 10 and 11? Do so you give them like, yeah. a bit of a window? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Your appointment, I'll be with you between 10 and half past. But please bear in mind if I get stuck in traffic or get stuck yeah. on a dog. So it, it was a different way of working, you know. So <laughs> I think with mobile grooming, because it's something that I'm quite interested in. Yeah, yeah. Could you sort of explain like your day from start to finish and then like the odd bits where you think, oh, you wouldn't have to do that as a salon groomer that's a bit different yeah of course yes so get up in the morning do whatever you got to do um the first thing I used to do was plug the van in and switch on so obviously in the winter time it's plugged in all the time to stop it freezing which okay. is something you don't have what, to think what about what do you mean it's plugged in so my van not all vans but my van has it plugs into the power supply so okay. it's got a cable like a caravan you know you yeah a cable from the van to the house so we plug it in, but it's also got a generator as well. So I can run independently if I'm like somewhere where there's no power kind of thing. So yeah. when I'm at home, it was plugged in, especially through the winter. Keep it plugged mm. in, keep the heating on so your pipes and everything don't freeze, which is oh, okay. Yeah, a really big thing. And it's like I learned very quickly how to maintain the van in a way so that you don't wake up in the morning. Because if it's all frozen, you can't use it. You no. know, if all your water pipes are frozen, you can't go out to work. Oh, no. That never even occurred to me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's one good tip. Probably, I don't know if it's the first year I started mobile or the second year, but we had a really cold winter, really, really cold. And literally, I was trying to fill, so you obviously have to fill the water. So I carry a water tank on mine. Um, So you have to fill that up. So fill that up in the morning, takes about half an hour. So I'd take the hose pipe round, pop it in, leave it going, Try and set a reminder so you don't forget about it because I've done that several times. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. The start of your day has already just put me into a panic because I know how bad my memory is. I'd have no charge, I'd be I'd have no water. But see, it's all like there are ways around it, you know. It's yeah. all once you learn it, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes definitely with mobile grooming. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so there's one winter I took the pipes, the hose pipe round, fill it up, and it was frozen solid. Like literally, I couldn't oh, no. even get any water from my taps in the van. And I was like, oh God. And I phoned up my first customer, and he, the husband was a window cleaner, and he's like, 
yeah, the water's coming out of my hose in like literally in ice cubes. That I was like, yeah, I won't be over till about lunchtime. It's like, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so literally just have to wait, you know, because yeah. I hadn't, again, it was a learning curve, put the hose somewhere warm overnight so it doesn't yeah. freak, you know, but it, there are ways around it and you, you kind of learn to live with it. And so then after that, sort of through the next few years through the winter, I'd start a little bit later to give myself a bit more time. Yes. You know, yeah. and things like that. You know, learn all the tips and tricks, that kind of thing. So, yes, yeah, so the morning would go, fill the water tank up, go into the van, put the hot water on so it's warmed up, ready for the first dog. Um, and then obviously just go through the van, make sure you've got tools, equipment, shampoo, all that sort of stuff, that everything's good to go. Um, mm-hmm. Quick check of the van, make sure the actual van itself is all good and there's no issues with that. Um, yeah. And then remember to unplug your cable. <laughs> put it back yes. in the van. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever Take not that done that? <laughs> <laughs> I have never done that, but I have seen people that have drove off with their plugs still. <laughs> no, I bet that's so easily done. And I bet oh, it's one of the yes. things where immediately you're like, damn it. Oh my God, <laughs> <Shit>. yes. <laughs> With charging, I mm-hmm. I think like I see a lot of posts online about charging, and I think with mobile groomers, it's such a luxury to have someone literally come to your house. You haven't got to go anywhere, do anything. So, what's your opinion on that? Do you think you should be charging more as a mobile groomer, or was it quite hard to charge what you needed to as a mobile groomer? A million percent you need to charge more. A million percent because you've got all the the things that other grooming businesses don't have, like you say, like. The travel time in between the cleanup time you've got to clean your van down in between if you're in a busy salon and there's some hair on the floor you can just kind of kick it to the corner and carry on with the day it doesn't matter you know but in the van it's got to be immaculate ready to go to the yeah. next customer you know so you have to spend time cleaning afterwards you have to spend your travel time you have to factor in that time that people do want to talk to you you know people yeah. want to chat to you you can't just rock up at their house and go, there's your dog, see you later, off you go, you know. So yeah, you have yeah. to factor, you know, it's a bit rude, isn't it? It's like, I've got to see you later. <laughs> but you have to factor that in and you have to factor that into your price, you know. Yes. And they are getting that one-to-one service. You know, they are, with my van, I had, a, you know, I've spent a lot of money making sure it was like the best van I could possibly have, you know. It had yeah. heated towel rails and all that jazz. So Ooh, they had... Nice. The best of everything. I was already an expensive groomer for the area anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, because I, I felt that was my value and that was what, you know. So yeah. my customers are more no, than happy to pay for me anyway. And then when I was like, right, I've got to go mobile. And you've got to factor in things like, okay, I had a new van, but not everyone does. And so, no. you know, it could break down and you're going to need to spend hundreds of pounds on something. You've and got to take a day off to have it, it fixed because you can't exactly, work you know, it fixed, service, can you? MOT, all that kind of stuff. They're all mm-hmm. things you've got to pay for. Um, you know, your insurance premiums are, are massive because you're paying to insure your equipment as well, you know. So you've got to factor all of that into it. So, yeah, you do have to... I, do think as a mobile groomer we should be quite a bit more expensive than a salon and again yeah. you can only do x amount of dogs in a day depending on how much water you can hold how many dogs you can get done in a specific time yeah again that's something you've got to factor in so yeah I did really whack my prices up when I went mobile um and I was already expensive anyway but yeah, they I didn't bat an eyelid because they wanted it you know they wanted the surface so yeah and just thinking about like other things that impact when you can and can't work how can the weather affect you whether it's like a heat wave and it's really hot or when it's like really crazy cold and like obviously just the driving conditions as well like do you, do you have to take quite a lot of time off just because of the weather um 
I never did, but I, I'm quite a confident driver anyway. Um, okay. So I don't mind driving in bad weather. And it's kind of like you just figure out, I mean, some of my customers used to live really out in the sticks. It's like, yeah, there's no way my van's going to get down there. The weight of it, for one, on ice yeah. means it, it, you know. Yeah, of course, just, yeah. You've got to pull the line when it's dangerous. Yeah, definitely. You know, so you just kind of factor it in and just like, right, okay, I can't get to you today. Look at the weather forecast. Okay, I should be able to get to you in a couple of days. What I'll do is I'll see if I can jiggle Joe blogs that's in in a couple of days. I know I'm going to be able to get to them because they live on the main roads being gridded. And you kind of just jiggle things around a bit. So I never really had too many days where I had to just, like, not work. And it's the same with the hot weather. Um, Again, you just change your hours, you know, work early in the morning. And, again, I was quite lucky I had a really nice van made up so it didn't get boiling hot. But, you know, you put a little fan in there, you work with the doors open, start early in the morning. If you're only doing three or four dogs a day, you know, starting early in the morning is not the end of the world, is it? You know, because you're done by uh, mid-morning happy days you've got the rest of the day to enjoy the weather kind of thing so you kind of learn to adapt to stuff and make things work for yeah. you yeah it's um, just having so, a good yeah. business initiative really isn't it how can yeah, we get around this so. problem changing the way that you do things yeah just being um, a bit open-minded I think isn't it going from your van yeah. to back to one-to-one again what would you say you found best and worst about being one-to-one you know back in a salon by yourself really hard one this one because it my life changed a lot okay. between having the van to come in into this one. So um, long story short, my best friend passed away. Um, so the, the lady that I co-owned all of my poodles with that we showed. Um, okay. And I went from having three dogs to six. That put a lot of pressure on me work-wise. So again, when we set up the new salon, I had to cut my customers down again because I just didn't have enough hours in the day to, to do everyone. Yeah. And I think... Um, because the salon is at home, I find that really hard because people don't, they treat it like a public place rather than my home. Yes. <laughs> so okay. they come and they're really nosy and then you're like, okay. <laughs> right? yeah. this is like, you know, that's really difficult. Um, yeah. But it's really nice to have the space and not having to worry about getting up and filling the van up in the morning and, and being yeah. at home and being able to come in and sort the dogs out and, yes. and go out for a walk at lunchtime with them if I need yeah, to. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree like that. with that. I think it's nice, obviously, yeah. being at home and having the freedom of sort of popping into your own kitchen yeah. to make lunch and Cup quickly tea, letting your yeah. dogs out and yeah. doing that sort of thing in between dogs here and there. But also, like, for example, yesterday, I was off yesterday and a customer just turned up at my front door yeah. and just knocked on the door and, like, they was just waiting there. And I was thinking, you knew I was there. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're sort of knocking on the door. They walk to the window, have a peer through. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me, this yeah, is Sunday, my it's my house. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing looking through my windows? <laughs> but they've got no filters sometimes, have they? They're just like, you know, I've had yeah. loads of building work going on here. And they're over the fence going, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> just like, I can't <laughs> More recently, I know that you've sort of taken on a, a new business, Top to Tail. <laughs> yeah. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? What made you go into a new venture? And because uh, I'm mental. <laughs> I, you know, I, I get I got to this point when my friend passed away, and I was like, well, I'm changing my business. I'm going to cut right down. I'm going to make my life chill. You know, I'm yeah. going to have more time. 
do yeah. things I want to do. And, and then how I'm did like, that go for? Yeah, then I brought another business because <laughs> I'm like I'm getting a bit bored now. <laughs> I I really as I said at the start, I've been grooming a long time now, and it, it's taken its toll on my poor little old body. Yeah. Um, and I, as much as I love grooming, I, when my friend passed away, it really affected me, and I really lost my love for grooming. Yeah. Um, I really because she was really like my backbone for the grooming and the showing and stuff she was always like pushing me and so she was always the one that was planning all the shows and stuff and if the grooming competition came up she'd be like right we will do this we'll do that you know so when she passed yeah. away it was really hard for me and I, as I say I stopped grooming completely for quite a period of time and it really made me kind of be like actually I don't think I want to do this anymore yeah and so you kind of thought I, what else could I do what can I what? do how can I find something to do that's going to give me a bit more time and a bit more freedom and then um I saw Top Sale come up for sale and I love their stuff I've worn their stuff for years and it was like oh god they can't go they can't sell I need a new uniform yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a very expensive way to buy a new uniform I need a uniform hang on I'm gonna buy their business buy the business (laughs) brilliant as I say, I think this is going to be my way of being able to cut down my grooming. So I'm not taking yeah. on any new clients at the moment. And because I've been doing it a long time, I've got quite a lot of older clients. So mm-hmm. it sounds horrible, but as they, they pass away, yeah. I'm not going to replace them kind of thing. And then just yeah. sort of dwindle the grooming down and, and build the top tail. Because I really love, I love the new business. I'm really enjoying yes. it. And I really want to expand it. And I've got loads of ideas for it and loads of things I want to do. So, I find it having something new to focus on. It's like a new fire sort of thing. Like yeah, a new little... absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's different as well, you know. It's still kind of in the grooming, but it, it's different. And, yes. and I think that's what I needed, that change. Yeah, something new and exciting to sort of yeah. re, re-get you going again. Sort of yeah, thing. definitely. It means I can still go to grooming competitions and stuff and still see everyone, still be yeah. involved, but not have to do the physical grooming side of it, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's lovely. And like you say, it's, the grooming industry is one of those industries where if you've been in it a long time, it's hard to step away from it. So, oh, so hard. like you're still involved in a different aspect and it's probably a bit kinder on your body as well, is it? Than oh, grooming? A million percent. A million percent. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is the thing, you know, we're, we're all getting older. As much as we do, as much as we can to protect our bodies, it, it's a hard job. It you is, know? Yeah. People don't realise it's physically demanding you know and I've got yeah. um, a condition with my feet both my feet are suckled terribly and some days I can't stand up and so that was another factor that was like I can't my body's telling me you can't keep doing this grooming yeah. you know so um, and did you find over lockdown I know something I found was it was like all of a sudden I was like hang on my my neck doesn't ache when I do that anymore and oh my back I can stand up and it doesn't it doesn't hurt you can you feel like you can move when you've taken a week off you feel automatically about 10 years younger and that just goes to show doesn't it what what it does to us yeah absolutely about a foot taller 10 years younger (laughs) and like like you say when you take some time off you know you're like oh this is nice my body's like oh this is lovely you know it is physically demanding isn't it it really is what does having your own business actually mean to you? Do you know what? It's actually it's everything to me because it's all I've ever known. I've yeah. never worked for anyone. I've never been an employee. I did like little jobs when I was at school and stuff, you know, like little yeah. Saturday jobs and stuff. But I've never actually had a physical full-time job. So 
owning my own business is everything for me if you you run your own business you're just that kind of person like you just have that drive and it, it does it becomes all consuming doesn't it you know it becomes yeah, it does. your life and and for me it is it's a massive part of, you know people still stop me when I go into town they're like, oh you're the girl that had the pink poodle parlor aren't you and I'm like oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's me you know and yeah. I, I love that I'm like oh I'm really proud yeah, of what I I'm did doing, that. You know? yeah that's yours yeah. you've made it you started it you created it and it's yeah. appreciated and it gives you a good sense of pride when that when yeah, that happens yeah. I also like I don't know about you but with with because I'm quite similar to you like I've I've always had my own business since I left college I've always worked for myself yeah but I've also worked in things like pubs and stuff yes. like to support me as I was building up my dance business yeah. and I was building up my grooming business I went back into pub work for a little while just to get me going so yes. I have worked for other people but I find that I get bored so easily with things that I need to create my own work that I'm interested in when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And like, even like now when I'm sort of, I'm same as you, I'm not taking on too many new customers at the moment, but occasionally if someone rings up and they've got something you want to do, you're like, Oh yeah, Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll find time for that. (laughs) Because that, you know, having your own business and having that decision to do things that make you happy or things that make you sort of inspired and get you going I mean to be I couldn't actually imagine going back into a role now where I was doing the same thing over and over and being told what to do and answering to someone and I just can't imagine it no I couldn't either I think I'd I don't know I don't think I could do it (laughs) I just don't think I could I I reckon I'd last about a week (laughs) yeah and I think I think the other thing is that it's a if you do well you can praise yourself and if you struggle with something you feel like I know this sounds harsh but you feel like you're the only one who's let yourself down do you know what I mean you haven't I think when you when you work by yourself like you know like I do um you know when you've done well you can pat yourself on the back when you when you've found something difficult you can say do you know what that wasn't a great move Carla yeah yeah but we'll do it better next time and off you go yeah yeah no absolutely yeah you only answer to yourself and that's you know that's the lovely thing you know it's um yeah you haven't got that pressure have you unless you're putting pressure on yourself obviously but yeah yeah so what um what I'm thinking about doing now is if we do my final little round where I ask you the same questions that I ask all the other groomers that come on um yeah. the answers are all just opinion based there's no right or wrong it's just how you see it okay so yeah. Yeah. what is it about our industry that you think impacts on our mental health the most I think the pressure I think the pressure of the industry as in the pressure to be I think a lot of it you know is social media now you see all these amazing grooms you have a lot of pressure to conform to those and also pressure from your clients who are also using social media or whatever and they see all these other and they want you to do that not everyone can do it you know there are things that people can do and people can't do but I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves within the industry you know to be the same as everyone else yeah, I think you're right. It will impact your mental health a bit because it's your art. It's your you've been creative. You've been artistic in what you do. Yeah. You're trying your best. Nobody yeah. wants to send out rubbish grooms, um, and they don't even have to be rubbish. You know, no. you know, they just aren't perfect. Yeah, do you know that's, it, I mean? that's it. That's it. That's it. You've hit the nail what on the head perfect? there. Yeah, it's you. You're always aiming for that perfect groom, but actually, what we should be doing is just sending out good grooms to keep the customers happy that like do you know 
yeah, I think we all turn out as an industry really good grooms, but we all want to groom that perfect groom. And it's just near enough impossible. How long are you going to spend making that perfect groom, isn't it? You know? I really want to actually get a guest on here to talk about the how damaging the idea of perfectionism actually is because within our industry it is everywhere oh the idea of perfectionism is I personally think it is so damaging when I had a little bit of a a wobble with grooming I'm sort of getting back getting back on the track now but I did go through a little phase where I just took a bit of a hit really and I think that's what it it is yeah you're trying so hard you're watching this webinar you're competing you might be going through exams that you'll find a different whatever level of groomer you are whether you've just started all the way up to being the you know the top expert of whatever there's always something that you're not going to be perfect at I think it kind of diminishes the things that you have achieved because because you're putting so much pressure on yourself for that you forget about all the other good stuff and you think when you turn your customers dogs out and they go oh my god they look amazing I'm so happy oh look at fluffy how cute do they look you forget about that you know and that's your bread and butter and that's all you should be worried about that's your job and they're over the moon with what you've done you know and that feeling you get when they go oh my god they look amazing it's like oh you feel really proud but yeah. you forget about that because you're then moved on to the next dog and you're trying to make it perfect. Yeah. And you've forgotten about, you know, Mrs. Smith down the road who's just fell in love with Fluffy again because you made them look amazing. And that yes. was a good groom, maybe not a perfect groom, but a good yeah. groom. And they're thrilled. I always remember I had this customer for a while. I don't don't groom their dog anymore, but I had to drop it off home one day. I mean, it was a friend's dog, so it was yeah. I don't usually offer that service, yeah. but because it was a friend, I said, oh, I'll run it home for you. And their um, little girl ran up to it. And this dog was quite naughty that, on that mm. occasion. And she said, oh, it smells so beautiful. Yeah. He's so fluffy. I love it when he's freshly groomed. His face, he looks so young. Oh, it's just like he's a puppy again. And I remember thinking, God, that groom was so stressful. I wanted to make <laughs> it look good. But, you know, I could only do what I could do. That was it. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, you've done yeah, your yeah. best. And yet she yeah. was absolutely over the moon with her little exactly. dog. Exactly. And like you say, it's moments like that that you forget when you go online and you're scrolling through and you see, you know, what won the last best in show at wherever, you know. Yeah. It's always good to have goals. It's, I think oh, it's brilliant absolutely. to have goals and keep working and keep improving. But yeah. just don't aim for perfect because it's so, yeah, yeah. You've got so to, damaging. It's that balance, isn't it? It's finding that balance, you know. Yeah. And can you see a way that we can sort of help improve that in the industry? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one, isn't it? I think it because it's your own personal self, isn't it? I don't know. I think it would be nice if, I think if people were more honest, but then it, it's life on social media as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. everyone posts what they want you to see. No one posts their shit rooms, do they? They're yeah. probably worried about people thinking they're not good exactly. either, just as worried you know, as you are. Yeah, you know. I think it's nice when you do see the ones that give you a perspective of what their days yeah, these are an amazing groomer and they turn out these fabulous looking dogs, but actually yeah. they get the shit stuff as well, you know, and it's like... Yeah, a bit reassuring. I, I think, yeah, I think it'd be nice if there was more of that kind of thing. What gives you the biggest sense of pride in your job as a dog groomer? That, like I just said earlier, when, when my clients are happy, I yeah. love it. I love it when they, you know, or when they... Uh, I recently had one, um, she's come back with two little dogs, she's been on holiday with them, uh, two little Bichons actually. Do you know what? I'm not a Bichon specialist, but I turn out a nice little pet trim. Yeah. You know, attachments is, and they look really smart. They look really nice. Yeah. She went to Wales with them. And she came back. She said, oh, I've got to tell you. She said, I've got to tell you. 
I had so many people stop me to say how lovely they look. And da, 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 da. She said, yeah. One lady was a groomer and she went, oh, your groomer's amazing. Them dogs look fabulous. Oh, that's so nice. And it was such a, it's just a silly yeah. little thing, but it was like, oh, I feel really proud. <laughs> yeah. So it's no, just, when... yeah, my customers bring me joy, you know. It, when they're happy, it makes me smile, you know. Yeah, and that is the foundation of a brilliant business, really, isn't it? That's, yeah. you know, you, the dog's happy, happy the customers. owner's happy, the groomer's happy. That yeah, is the absolutely. ultimate dream, what you want yeah. out of a business, really, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what frustrates you the most at work? What do you find most frustrating? The thing, as I say, as I've previously said, I'm really lucky that I've got a great client base now. Last year, before I brought Top to Tail, I did start taking on new clients again. And I found it really frustrating trying to manage people's expectations. You know, yeah. when they come with a picture, this is what I want. And, you know, they've got a picture of a show dog and their dog's matter to high heaven it doesn't it's overweight it doesn't look anything like it and you're like okay I'm gonna try yeah. but I you know I'm, and I'm, not, is, uh, I'm not a magician <laughs> yeah uh, my magic wand's out of order today so <laughs> <laughs> so I found that really difficult again because it's been a few years since I've taken on any new clients so yeah I find that really hard you know trying to trying to give people a realistic view of what you're going to do yeah I find that really challenging I find yeah just as I said to someone the other day I'm just sick of managing people's expectations yes <laughs> yes no I think that that is something that many people have brought up when speaking to me both on and off the podcast that is yeah. definitely I think the top the top frustrate most frustrating yeah. thing at work I think it's, I think as well because I've been doing it for so long when you look back at like when I first started obviously different types of dogs you know different breeds of dogs and people were happy with a breed standard trim and yeah. that was that you know and they'd come every six or eight weeks or whatever and everyone was happy the groomer was happy the dog was happy they were happy but now I think I mean I've got nothing against cross breeds because they're our bread and butter or they are for me yeah. anyway um but they come and they want all this random stuff, things yeah you know and they're just like come on be realistic about it you know you and you've then got that pressure of they're then going to go onto social media and slate you because yes. you haven't done what they wanted you know and so when you think, when you get them customers how do you um how do you get around that what do you tend to sort of do you try and educate them or do you try and persuade them into it? <laughs> <laughs> not doing this one next no, 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 no shit here. <laughs> not doing it <laughs> <laughs> no seriously I try and I, I do try and educate them I, I, I think as well, it really helps because I have been doing it a long time and you know I've got all the bits behind me that they like to see like the qualifications yeah. the they do have trust in me um yeah. so before they walk in the door they've they've already I've built that trust in because I've got stuff that they can they can see that you regularly compete or if they can see yeah. that you've your qualifications it's just yeah. something for them to see and think oh actually I might just take a couple of seconds before I launch myself at this woman and tell her she yeah. don't know what she's talking about so what about outside of work what do you do to switch your brain off have a relax forget about work what what do you do to um just wind down oh lots of things I'm really lucky I live very close to the beach so I yeah. love to walk on the beach. That is probably my favourite thing. Just 
listening to the heavy, waves. Isn't it? And, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what time of year, it's be freezing cold, bundled up, and off to go watching the dogs running around, messing about. And something about being near water, isn't there? Uh, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, my star sign's a water sign as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very. I've always lived near the beach. Everywhere I've lived, I've always lived within walking distance of the beach. So I think I've got got a connection with the with the sea. Um, when you go, I mean the tide coming in the tide coming out it's consistent yeah. every day yeah. it's, you know for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years i don't even know yeah. how many thousands of years yeah. but since the world's been here that has just done exactly the same thing over and over yeah it's just natural isn't it it's a natural yeah. thing and it, it just relaxes you just yeah it just does it's just, yeah just listening to the waves it's just such a, a calming thing so yeah walks on the beach that i love um i go to pilates which is um <laughs> challenging but it's a really yeah it's it's good for your body as a group yeah, you know it it's it's really good to stretch it out your body and my instructor's brilliant and obviously she knows what I do and she really helps me with certain areas of the body and stuff but yeah she's really good at getting mindfulness into you as well so oh, it, we spend a lot of time just not thinking about anything just thinking yeah. about the movements we're doing and stuff so I find that really relaxing as well I yeah really I did good. a bit of a bit of Pilates when I used to be a dance student at college oh, before. Okay. Um, we used to do that one or two classes a week of Pilates yeah. and I used to love that and there's this one move I don't know if you know it or not but it was my absolute favorite and I think it's is it called like fallen angel or something you like lie on the side and you just you stretch it out up and over like that and it stretches oh, okay. on yes, top yes. of your back yeah just yeah, it yeah. back again like that. I think it's like Fallen Angel because it's like something an angel like, yeah, with one wing or something like that. Yeah, know, something like that. Some yeah, Pilates like. expert out there is probably thinking, what the hell What's is she on about? They'll jump on and tell you. Yeah, I often do that sometimes at the end of the day when I feel yeah, tight between my shoulder blades. So about, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, does make, it does make you um conscious as well. You know, she's always like, stand up straight, think of this gold thread pulling up from your head and you you know, yeah. very often I'll be stood at work and I think, oh, where's my gold thread? Keep you your know, core yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoy doing that. Uh, that's, yeah, walking and Pilates. And I like to sit and read as well. I, you know, when I've got five minutes, I like to sit and yeah. read. So, they're coming well, up. They my sound like places. really good, really good calming hobbies uh, to yeah. have outside work. Yeah. So, no, that's great. Brilliant. Um, I think that is all of the questions I have um, set out for you today. Is there cool. anything that you sort of wanted to add at all? Is there anything that you wanted to bring? Um, no, I just think like anyone listening, like like we've said previously, if you feel like it's right and you want to go for it, just bloody go for it because you've got nothing to lose. Life is short, yes. you know. Just do what it. Advice. What's the worst that could happen? You can go back and do what you were doing before, you know. But yeah, I think you just take risks in life you know and, and, yeah. and enjoy it enjoy it go with the flow I think that's that's lovely that is a lovely way to finish the interview go out <laughs> do what you want follow your heart yeah and enjoy it while you're doing it <laughs> brilliant well thank you so much Tiffany for this interview oh, it's been you. a really nice morning chatting to you and yeah, hearing the ins and outs of everything no, it's been absolutely fabulous oh so, thank you for having me I've enjoyed it <laughs> thank you very much again and see you later Bye. <laughs> Such an interesting conversation with Tiffany. She definitely knows her stuff about the different ways of running businesses and certainly has the drive and knowledge to tackle new projects. I love her mantra of doing things that make you happy and going along with life and where it takes you. Next week, I'm talking to Yitka Krasova about how making small life changes can benefit you and how to take care of your body at work. For now, though, I hope you have a lovely day. Please follow the Facebook page, Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. 
and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back next Friday. Cheerio.